Down and distance. Down and distance. Down and distance. On WGNRadio.com. 32.9 point average margin of victory. That means we were blowing out cats. By the second half, Cass was drinking Gatorade, talking to Luke, and talking to The Rock on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. It's the future, future, future. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Down to Distance. Jared Payton alongside my partner in crime, my man, Ernie Scatton. That dude, shy voice man on Twitter. Follow him. He doesn't tweet that much, but he's I, I did three last week. better. Yeah, three. I did three last week. I tweeted three times. I probably fail. tweet right three down. times in about two hours. But we're going to get him back on schedule. <laughs> I'm at Peyton Sun, P-A-Y-T-O-N-S-U-N. It's down a distance, D-A-D pod on Twitter. And this is exclusively on WGMRadio.com. Four downs. We're going to start with the Bears, so let's get it cracking. First down. All right, the Bears. A lot of talk. The draft has passed. We've had time to dissect some of the selections that Ryan Pace made. But now... We have to start looking towards the 2017 season, guys that are going to be on the football field. And I wanted to break it down with the wide receiver position first because it's one of those positions where there are a lot of questions and a lot of guys that are listed on this depth chart but that are unproven. And so we got to figure out how this team is going to be able to take advantage of those specialty positions on the outside. You you have a great running game with Jordan Howard, but that's not going to cut it long term. Yes, you have to run the football, but that sets up the pass. And who are going to be those guys to be able to go up and get the ball from Mike Glennon and make his job just a little bit easier in 2017? I think you have to look at with Elshon Jeffrey being gone, who is going to be the number one receiver? And I think by most accounts, if you look at it, it's going to be Cam Meredith, a guy who probably has the most experience out of any of the guys that are coming back from last year that were on this roster. Cam Meredith doing a little bit of work. You know, you like seeing him. He was targeted 96 times, had 66 receptions, 888 yards, four touchdowns. Do you trust him? I don't know if I trust him. I can't trust him. I, it, it's, it's not a big enough body of work. It's just not. Here, here's my another problem I have is that we have we have I don't want to say rejects or, or retreads, but you have three receivers in Kendall Wright, Marcus Wheaton, and Ruben Randall who have been around the NFL for a little while have, have not really shined, but have not been bad. I think Marcus Wheaton out of the three, Marcus Wheaton may have the biggest upside. I think Kendall Wright has the most experience. Ruben Randall, I was never a fan of it with the Giants, but we'll see. Then you got guys like we have a guy named Kermit, Kermit Whitfield. <laughs> I, you throw well, me out there, well, we can. You know, we, we we have a start of the Muppets going on back here. Ernie and Kermit, Ernie yeah. and Kermit. Let's get, you know, let's, let's get Grover out there, Cookie it's, Monster. I don't know. I I never thought at this point going into camp as you start to look ahead without Elshon Jeffrey. And I know I get it with him. It was more of a it was more of a question with him. You didn't know. You had no clue what was going to happen if he was going to be available, and that was the biggest issue with him. But when he was, when he was on the football field, he was a legitimate stud. Yeah, he was a, a number one that took over after Brandon Marshall left. There was a lot of questions about him. Would he be able to be able to take on the workload and have the double teams and go up and get the ball? He showed he could do that when he was on the football field. Now. Last season, he was on and off the football field for various reasons, suspension. His heart wasn't in it anymore. But then listen, but listen, the thing was is that you look at Cam Meredith who had 888 yards, but a lot of that was because 
Alshon Jeffrey, when he was on the football field, Creates took up a game. lot of those double teams. That and team. so it gave him a lot of one-on-one man coverage, go and make plays, and he was able to do that. Is he going to be able to do that without having a legitimate number one on the other side? That's the question. That's the question right now. We don't know. So if we're starting with the guy who we're talking about is, is possibly going to be your number one receiver, you know what's it's, sad? It's issues right now. Here's what's sad. is We haven't even said Kevin White's name. But he's next. Kevin I, White I, is next. You're talking about Cam Meredith being your number one. We haven't even yeah, mentioned that, Kevin White. But that's that we already knew that, though. Earn this Can't, guy that we we two please. seasons. Listen, two seasons of of injury plague seasons, and now we're looking at this third year with him, and we're trying to figure out what he was going to be. The Bears hoped that when they selected him in the first round that he was going to be a guy that could be able to take over. A Julio Jones type. That he could take over for Alshon if they decided to move on for him. And That's what they compared Kevin him. White to, Julio Jones. That's who but, they compared him to. But guess what? You looked at his his college film, you can kind of tell that he was a guy that was going to be a project. He was going to be a work in progress. But he never really got that work. He never got the reps on the field. Has he gotten the reps off the field in the meeting room? Yes, that, that's that's huge. But it's still not getting those game day reps and being those practice reps. So does he still warrant being started? Do you still start? Kevin I mean, White? if he's yeah, if he's healthy, he's probably going to have to. Start. So if he's healthy, without a doubt, he's not. You're not. You're not putting Marquise because like Marquise Wilson is one of my biggest disappointments ever. Um, he just can't stay healthy. I like the kid's talent, his skills, his speed, his hands. He just cannot stay healthy. But I mean, you look at like a Kendall Wright and a Marcus Wheaton and a Cam Meredith. There's your three, right? So what happens to Kevin White? No, I think Kevin White is going to be – he's going to be in that mix. It's it's him, Cam, Meredith, and I think you got to figure out Kendall who, Wright, who, who, who's going to be your other receivers. Kendall Wright's not your big, big-time body guy. He's got to be a guy that is – he's more, more of a, of a possession guy, yeah. man. So he, he you got to figure out with him and how this is going to kind of shape itself. It, there's questions there, and I think it's concerning. I, I have hope that I think the Bears can – can figure it out. They believe that their system that they are creating will be able to, I don't know, push guys up maybe a little bit higher. But I, there's a lot of guys. We talked about Kevin White. We talked about Cam Meredith. And now we, Marcus Wheaton and Kendall Wright, to me, are guys that will kind of add to this receiving core. But I'm gonna, I'm, Wheaton constantly battled injuries. Right. I'll tell you for, who. Uh, for, hold on. Only, for only two, logging only two seasons of play for him. And then you got Wright, who is a slot receiver, but he has health issues as well. So you got rid of a guy in Alshon Jeffrey who had injury issues, and you pick up two guys that have injury history. Hmm. Yeah, I. You know what? I. I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you who I would like to see get some get some run is Daniel Braverman. Call yeah. me crazy. No, I'm not. I, Call I don't, me crazy. But I, 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 I like that kid's moxie. I like his, his toughness. He seemed to have caught everything that went his way. Yeah, it seemed like he never dropped balls. He's, he was and, a and word. To me, that is that I have to have a premium on guys that are going to actually catch a ball and hold on. Like, I'm going to tell you something. Do you think I would get in trouble if I went and stole Josh Bellamy's like, stuff out of his room at yeah. training camp? Yeah, you probably and sold would. it? Yeah. Well, you probably He arrested. wouldn't be able to catch me. You'd be I mean, He's awful. I, he might catch Josh you. Bellamy. I'm sorry. Listen, as a person, I, I I am not denigrating him. As a football player, I think he's awful, and and I I don't think you belong on this team or maybe in the NFL. 
I, he was terrible. How many passes did he drop last year? And everyone's like, ah, oh, he, he just dropped. You get paid millions of dollars to do this. You're, you're one of the 1% in the world that can do this. So I expect you to catch the ball. Like, I expect you to earn those millions of dollars that you have out there, and he's garbage. And I, I can't believe he's still on this team. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, last year only one touchdown. And I think that's the issue when you look at the numbers that the guys put up. Yardage is great, and I understand that you have to go back and look at the quarterback situation that was going on in Chicago. It was kind of a revolving door of trying to figure out who was going to play, who wasn't. There was no consistency there at all at the position. So that kind of you can look at the numbers. Hit you in the hand, you got to catch. I know. I'm with you. No, listen, I'm I'm with you. But the numbers aren't don't jump off at you with Cam Meredith. That was the the leading receiver in touchdowns with four. That's just not going to cut it. And you got to be able to take advantage if you're going to be able to run the football, which the Bears are going to do. Then you're going to have one-on-one coverage on the outside at certain points where you're going to have to take advantage and and get big chunks of yards that way as well. well. But but also, this team has to get better in the red zone as well. So you're hoping with the Shaheen. addition of guys like Shaheen and guys that they're going to be able to come up with more plays that design that they're going to be able to do what we saw a guy like Jimmy Graham do in in uh, New Orleans where he can be out by himself and take advantage and jump balls because of his basketball skills and go up and get the rock and score more points. You have to. You can't get down to the red zone and come away with nothing or three Three points. points. That's not enough. That's not enough in this day and age of the NFL. You have to put points on the board. You have to walk off the field when, when your special teams unit is coming off with seven points. That's the game. And so we're going to have to see how this all plays out. But this wide receiver core definitely has some issues. Can they be good? Yeah. There's a guy that I really like, Seals. Jawan Seals from really? oh, I was yeah. just looking at that. OK State. 6'2", six six got a frame on him. I think he's one of those undrafted guys that could come in and play well if he – if he can understand the system. And I think that's neck. the key for a lot of these young players, especially young receivers coming into the league, is how they come in and they're able to kind of retain all of the information that's coming at them. Because they're getting decided just here. You need to know this. You need to know that. Listen, playing the game, running back is a hard position to play. But what the receivers do every single day in practice, it's like they're running marathons. All day long. They're, they're running down the field 40 yards. They don't get the ball. They have to run back. There's a lot of stuff that goes on to it. Mentally, you have to be sharp. And you got to understand your keys. If you can do that, that's the key of success for these young guys. So we'll have to kind of check all this thing out. Josh Bellamy, Mark, ugh, Marquise Wilson. Jawan Seals, listen, checking them out. Not enough playmakers, in my opinion, at the position. Not no, enough not, playmakers. Definitely not, definitely and if you not. don't have that, then you, you better have an unbelievable quarterback that's able to make those guys better. And I don't know if that's the case. So there's question marks there with Mike Glennon as well. So we're going to have to see how it all plays out. But first down went pretty well. I think we moved the chains just a little bit there, Ernie. Second down. Second down, baby. I get to talk about my old oh, stomping yeah. grounds. Here we go. My old crew. Yeah, the best college football team to ever lace them up. That yeah, is true. that is true. Yes, yes. You could talk about it if you want to. Hit me up on Twitter at Peyton Sun P A Y T O N S U N if you want to battle me about this subject. Man, shouts out to Bleacher Report talking about college football history, ranking the top ten college football teams since two thousand. 
couple of Alabama You don't need to go – listen, you don't need to go past 2002. <laughs> okay? That's all you need I'm to know. I'm going to be honest. I thought there would be more Miami teams on there. No, not not from 2000. I mean, we, our dominance was to was oh one oh two was was two thousand two thousand and one and then oh two, but we lost. And so we it go to the top ten from Bleacher Report. Let's just break it down real quick. We won't get into all the stats of all these teams, but we'll go through them. The two thousand and two Ohio State team that beat us in the two thousand and two national championship <laughs> is number ten. Yeah, it makes me upset. It makes me upset. But you know what? You got to give credit to where his credit's due. Listen, we came into the game thinking that we were going to win and it was going to be easy playing up against uh, a Big Ten team. A little overconfident? Yeah, I just think that we were there already and we went through and cruised through, you know, the season and we got here. I just think we overlooked our opponent just a little bit and that's what happens when you do that. You know, one thing stands out to me. You always said that practices were harder than games on those teams. Oh yeah. And I, I looking back now, I think you could you said it, and I think you could say that you guys maybe, maybe thought you were good for well, a repeat. Well, no, and, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll, we'll get to that point yeah, yeah, once yeah. we get down to to your uh, team. To, yeah, uh, number nine, two thousand and ten Auburn with Cam Newton. Cam. They ended up. Yeah, they averaged forty one point two points per game. Four hundred and ninety nine point two yards total offense per game. That's, and, that's sick. And two hundred and eighty four point eight rushing yards per game. That is unreal. I I just that is unreal, Ernie. You don't see offenses putting numbers up like that. And Cam Newton was just special that season. Great to watch him. Number eight, two thousand and thirteen, Florida State. Yes, nah, I'm a partial. I'm hey, partial to Florida State. Let me I'm just tell you. Florida let me State just tell guy. you that game in 2013, Great Auburn game. versus Florida State, one of the best college football games that I've ever had a chance to watch. And you got to give it up to Jameis Winston, who was the Heisman Trophy I winner, came in, did his thing, and they ended up coming in total points. Yes, 14-0 record. Ten first-team All-Americans, three consen- consensus, 723 total points, <laughs> 51.6 points per game, number one nationally, best all-time among FBS programs. Hey, number 709, Bama squad. Got to give love to that Bama squad, man. I, that was one of my favorite teams. Like, I... Well, Mark I just, Ingram that year was I'm amazed at how Alabama just continues to do it because man they they got the formula they know they go they out and the get money. the best players they get the formula first of all they got the coach and right. the coach and they know and this is what happens is that when you can build a program up where guys are going to the NFL man guys see, see that in kids high see that yeah. they go oh man that, that guy plays my position he's in the NFL yeah, I imagine go imagine there. Nick Saban walking into your to your workout room at high school and say listen. I win championships. Yeah. Who wants to play for me? Every one of those guys are standing up. Yeah. Next one up, though. Number six, 2012, Bama squad, when they rolled yeah. over the that. Irish. Yeah. I, I don't even that. know. Listen, I don't even know what Notre Dame was doing on the football field. I, I, I give you. Listen, I give them credit that year for what Notre Dame did. I was a big supporter Not me. of that Notre Dame squad that SD year. Two Mikes. Manti Teo and his SD girlfriend. His girlfriend, <laughs> fake, Kila Kukukukulali, whatever her name was. Cat 
catfished. Hey, hey, I don't know what was going on there. Man, I tell you, catfish every day and every day. Like, I didn't even know what catfishing was until, man. That was that was a crazy game. I'll never forget from the beginning of when that game started, that national championship game started, and they walked out for the coin flip, and I watched Bama, and I looked at the Irish, and I said, this is men playing with yeah, boys. It's going to be a long night, fellas. It's going to be a long night. Number five, 2008, Florida Gators, Tim Tebow. 13-1, 43.6 points per game. They only allowed 12.9 points per game. And Maybe one of my total... most unliked players ever, Tim Tebow. Seriously? Yeah, I just don't like that dude. Man, I, I love just, Tim he Tebow. He irritated me with the kneeling all the time and the praying and then just way over the top what of that, mean, man. What do you mean way enough, over dude. the top? Enough. Dude, you can never I, be over the top praising God. It, doesn't, it doesn't need to happen on the field. Yes, it does. Nah, I done. No, it yes, doesn't. it does. No, it doesn't. Uh, how do does it not? Do how it does it not? No, what do you I, mean I, the I, locker I don't want to see it on the field. Dude, you have to see it on the field. I don't have to see it on the field. It, but he has the right. But he, but he, the, listen, he, the sky but like he has the right to be able absolutely, to do that. Absolutely. He I can't believe right you're sitting world. here telling me that you, you're praising God is too much. It's Are too you much. kidding me? I, I, I don't, I don't want to see it. That's your, see, that, that's, that's, it. That's, 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 that's issues on yourself. You need to understand what it is, your relationship. Place time, do you have, do, I don't, I don't what, mind What's your relationship? Just wait, way too, way too much. What do you mean way too much? Take away, see, this is my problem with people and fans that watch games, man. Like, and I'm a fan, too. I'm talking from the fan side. That, listen, we always get into this whole thing. Listen, we always get into this whole thing that we look at guys for what they do, but we don't differentiate what they do on the football field. Like, stop looking at what people do all the time and pumping up. Like, I don't look at people that celebrate too much. And, you know, I come from a family that didn't celebrate. My dad told me not to celebrate. But I don't, don't but I, but I don't look at Chad Johnson or somebody in the NFL a little bit crazier because they're a little bit over the top. I look at the football. You, you're you're not you're you're breaking down the the one part that I get. I can understand where people can it can be oh, they oversaturated with the kneeling. I get it. I get it. But we're talking about the football player. I want you to talk about the football player, okay. not the kneeling. Football player. He's one, he's one of the greatest football college football yeah. players to ever play. Really? Yes. That's what you say. Really? I'm serious. When you look at the numbers in his body of work, it is. He might not be the best skilled, the most skilled. But Ernie, he's one of the be- most decorated college football players ever, and he wasn't that good of a like. He's a he's a good athlete. He, I don't know if he was a good like. He's definitely a good athlete. He, he made a, he made the Mets. He's playing I mean, for the Mets. He's a good athlete. That's that's not even in question. But the kneeling, I maybe, get it. Maybe you know what? Maybe I was tired of the aura of Tim Tebow. Yeah. And like you're saying, I'm not breaking down the player Tim Tebow. Yeah, I got tired of. Tim Tebow. I got tired of the story. I got but tired he, of the name. I got tired of Tim Tebow. He was, and he beat the Bears. He he was, listen, he was, 50% of that had to be him because he was doing the things. But I believe he was honestly doing those things because that's him. That, I believe and I think too. people, as us, as in the media, we blew it up. Yeah, no, like, oh, I, man, I, it was, I don't believe it was fake. Like, I don't believe his, remember? his praising God was fake. Yeah, but I don't just, believe that. But remember, you remember the, uh, you were talking about, Oh, let's go back to the game, the playoff game he won. Yeah, I mean, come on. There's no, he had no business. This dude could not throw the football in the NFL, and he beat, he beat, he won a playoff game. Shut up, man. <laughs> now nah, it's like you did with Miami. Shut up. I'm sorry. All right, 2011 <laughs> Bama squad is number four. Bama back in it again. Bama back in it. Three teams in the top ten. That's crazy. Yes, three Nick teams Saban. in the top ten. You know, they, well, I'll say it after we're done with okay. all the teams. Number three, 2005, 
Texas Longhorns. Vince Young, era, 13 and 0, 652 total points. It's a record, FBS record. Yes. I didn't know they had 24 that players eventually drafted into the NFL off of that squad. Wow. Mm. 4,086 total yards for QB Vince Young in his first college football player to ever throw for 2,500 yards and rush for 1,000 in the same season. And a hell of a bowl game. That was unbelievable. That was unreal One of the game best games ever. Them in that USC team. Yeah. That was an unbelievable was, was, game. I Classic. watched that the whole game. I was like, ah! I, th- I thought Vince Young was like the next coming of Warren Moon. I, I, we, I, I, it's system. It's yeah, system it and is. where you go. Number two. Close. 2004. Reggie. Reggie. 2004. Reggie. USC squad. I loved Reggie Bush. Dude, I, I'm going to tell you what. I ain't going to hate on this squad. This squad, if, if I could go back to any squad, if I could go, if I could, let me turn my levels down. If I could go back <laughs> to any squad to play, it would be that squad. The 2001 Cage versus that 2004 USC squad. That would be a game. <laughs> Ernie, think, Ernie would, Ernie would, dude, Ernie. I think you guys beat the living. I don't know if we beat the living, but we beat them. Get out of here. Your team. Your, oh, let what? Just you. Let's let just, just get to your team. I know, team. but let me and, tell you something. There, in college football, there's one thing. There's certain – It's not, as much as the NFL is about quarterback play and how you have a dominant quarterback, in college football, if you have a dominant player, that player can actually take over the game. You guys had like nine of them. I know, but they also had probably one of the greatest college football players to you ever play. You guys had like nine. You had them on every hey, side of I the know, ball. I'm you had guys that. sitting on but benches. Reg, but Reggie Bush was something special. He was, but so was so was the 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 four-headed running back monster of the 2001 Canes. But there's it's hard sometimes anchored by corral. yours truly Jared Payton. I was just I was just there in the meeting room, dude, just trying to get in on the <laughs> game, you know what I'm saying? I got me a couple 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 touches in the game. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Mean, you All right. Number yeah. 1 like y'all didn't know. Number 1 like y'all didn't know. Let me just read it off for y'all so y'all can just hear this out. 12 and 0 record. Check. 512 total points. Check. Average 42.6 per game. Check. Defense lights out. Only allowed 9.75 points per game. Check. 32.9 point average margin of victory. That means we were blowing out cats. By the second half, Cass was drinking Gatorade, talking to Luke, and talking to The Rock on the sidelines. Luke and The Rock. <laughs> 38 NFL draft picks. And this is the one that just blows people's mind. 17 first-round selections. That's nuts. 17. That's just bananas. That's almost the whole first round if you just go. That's It's crazy. more than half of the first round. We're Miami, we're Miami players. Six All-Americans. Philip Buchanan, Joaquin Gonzalez, Brian McKinney, Ed Reed, Jeremy Shockey, and our kicker, Todd Seavers. Come on now. I mean, I'm telling you right now, the, what we did to the Cornhuskers, I mean, yeah. we should have we went to jail for that. Yeah, you guys beat them. Because that, that, 
that was what you called. That was. Have you guys ever seen uh, Harry Bosch on uh, the Oh, new- I love it, dude. Harry Bosch. Great show. I read all his Harry- books. I know, but what does Harry Bosch do, Hieronymus. though? He, he gets the phone call that he's got to go to the scene where they got some yellow yeah. tape. That's what we did to the corn huskers. No disrespect. Were there? Were there? Were they drawn in white? Like with the whole side drawn in white? There was, there on was the something field? going on. There, there, listen, there, there was there was something going on there. I mean, everybody was talking about Eric Crouch. Remember, he won the Heisman yeah, that year. Yeah, yeah. He didn't do nothing. You guys bottled him up. He I, I will say that is the greatest collection of talent ever ever assembled on a non professional I mean, team outside of the Virginia sport. Tech game that we we won 26 to 24 uh, everything else that was the last game season we, like was, I said before you used to tell me stories that practices were better than games yeah they were practices were harder in games and I think when we came out we were so focused to be able to do what we were supposed to do and we all knew our assignments and everybody came in focused and then we knew that the guys behind the starters were just as good and that's what happens when you have that group of talent together and you can do that like We've seen Alabama do over the years. That's why they've been in this, in this, uh, this. That's why they've been in this list over and over again. Because man, they keep winning, and that's what happened with us. People always ask, "What happened to Miami?" Well, Butch Davis ended up going to the Browns, and we started yep. to figure out what Larry Coker wasn't able to be able to keep the kids in Miami at the University of Miami in the state of Florida. Really? If we do that. We're not. It's not the same team. We're we're talking about a dynasty. And if Butch if Butch Davis doesn't go to the Browns, we might rattle off something crazy like three in a row, like three in a row, maybe four. That's how crazy it would be. Well, he should have stayed because he he bought he he just the yeah, Browns was not good for him. Well, listen, man. We I love talking about this, but if you wanna if you wanna talk about any of these those USC teams. You want to talk? Lindell White and I got into it on Twitter about this back in the day. He wants to holler at me. We can holler. We can look at numbers. Or if you want to, we can still get the squads out and play a little touch football. I mean, I'm still in shape. You know, I'll let your boy. That would totally turn into a tackle game. Oh, man. it would. That you know was what? Perfect. You know what? Next down. Third down. All right, third down. Is Ian Hap good? Is Ian Hap good? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a Cub fan, so I don't watch like that. I understand that he's one of the one of the Cub guys that they you know got a years ago, and everyone else has worked. Everyone else has worked for the Cubs. He's shown that he could he can rake, he can hit. He's a big dude, and he the the thing that jumps out to me, or the reason why you look at a lot of these guys that the Cubs have brought up over the years, each one of them has this Joe Madden esque like quality to them, which they're able to play. At every position, you right. saw last night. Joe, that's a premium for Joe. It, it's Joe. It's Ben Zobris being able to put, to move around. When you look at a guy who, in Chris Bryant, is your everyday third baseman, but he plays center field, but he left plays field, wherever right you field, need him first. to. That's he plays second. All these guys, they're interchangeable, and that's what I think they love about Ian Happ. But up at the plate, yes, he's. I think he could be good. I'm not saying he's going to be what everybody thinks Kyle Schwarber is going to be. But I think he's going to fit in with this lineup. It's just a fact now with this Cubs squad, Ernie, is every single day, how do you play everybody? Yeah, you can't. You just can't. You can't play everybody. You it's can't. too tough. At some point, you're going to have to start moving some pieces. And the only good thing in baseball is that you can pay everyone. If you can afford it, you, you can, can pay everyone. Right? So you can keep them. But my, my, my thing is this. It's, are people getting tired of Joe Madden? I is, asked is his, question. Are his antics becoming a little... 
much because at the end in in Tampa Bay, I think his antics became a little much, and I think certain people didn't like it like that. I think maybe ownership well, got tired of it. I'll tell you this: I think it's too much if you're not winning. Right, that's what I'm saying, and you're not exactly knocking, you know, blowing the doors off right now. But right now, that's just the, the case. I mean, I'm Certainly. talking about winning as a whole, though, Ern. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. And they he's, won, he's, so he's got a championship now. So yeah, I think if you're doing all those antics and having all the the stuff, but that's the funny thing about this season, we haven't seen that stuff. The bringing the the zoo animals to the field and and the crazy, you know, wearing the suits on the road. We haven't seen so maybe any they need of to that. Start doing that and get back to Joe Madden baseball. I I feel like that's something that's missing with this ball club, and I and I I think it's hard to do when you're not winning. And maybe they'll start to pick things up on this ten game homestand that they got going on. But we saw last night that the bats were back hot again, and I know the wind was blowing out a little bit, and it was a nice night, but. With the weather getting good, you know, balls are going to travel a little bit further. Bats are going to get hot. And that's what we saw last night of this team offensively. When they get hot, what they're able to do. Right. It's scary. I, I just think that um, it's so tough to repeat. And it's just. <laughs> In it's, baseball, it's ridiculous. And in this year, this, now the Cubs, the Cubs kind of came on the scene last year. People knew about them, but they really kind of solidified how good they were last year. So it was still kind of like the first time around. Now people know, and they're gunning for the Cubs. The Cubs have everyone wanting to beat them because they're the best. I mean, they were the best, and, you know, arguable if they are now. But if they don't solve this, this starting pitching, this they're not going to win. That was the it seemed like that was the one thing the White Sox could always do was get starting pitching. We just couldn't get position players to catch the balls that were hit. The Cubs seem to be able to get all the position players in the world, and they're trying to patchwork the starting pitching. They don't draft pitchers well. Um, so they go out and they get a Lester. You know, you go out and and, and uh, what's his name who sucks right now? Uh, Jake Arrieta. Brett Anderson. No, Brett Anderson's gone. I, he's but, not, he's not gone. I mean, right, he's, but you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Right right you, that, that was your big, and he comes in and he just kind of completely, you know, lays one in the bed. Well, he came in with already injury issues as well. Right. So I mean, that's the the big thing. It's it's all about right now. You need. Yeah, starting pitching is a question, Jones. but you need your guys to be able to come out and be able to go seven instead of an. Five. We talked about it last last week right. about you know taxing the bullpen and figuring it out. You have to be able to have your starters go deep into games, and that's where you need a guy like Glackey who's not getting any younger, but you still need him to play well. You need Jake Arrieta to figure out yeah, whatever's figure going out. on inside of his head right now. He needs to figure it out. He needs to figure it out. And then on the south side, south siders, boy. Yeah, you kind of expected the the five, six-game skid they went through. I mean, they were they were playing above themselves. You know, everyone, I, I hated hearing my fellow Sox fans be like, hey, dude, we need we need to add. No, we don't need to add. Okay, they they had a great stretch, and they'll they'll go through this for the next couple of years. Well, they'll win six seven in a row. Then they may lose. They may lose six or seven in a row, and they're just it's just growing. I again, I can't wait. I just can't wait for the youngsters to start getting here. You know, and it's probably not going to be this year. You'll get. I think you'll get uh, Mancada this year, but you probably won't get anyone else. Um, Mancada is going to force his way onto this team at yeah, some point. Some he point. will force his way onto this team, which will be. Good, but you hope that he's ready. For... Right, and you don't want to stunt his growth. You you you, you want him to be to ready to accept this, and you don't. Right, you don't want him to regress. The good thing is that he had he had a, a short stint last year with Boston. wasn't great, but he did have a short stint with Boston. So he he understands, I guess, a little of how this works, 
And I think by that short stint and then going back and, and getting and fixing what was wrong and solidifying himself, he's going to be that much better when he gets there. Well, we always love talking baseball, so it's always good, isn't it? Talk baseball right now. Weather's and getting nice. The weather, nice. It's gorgeous outside. It feels like San Diego today. It does. And for anyone like that's San ever Diego. lived in San Diego, been there, today feels like San Diego. Well, I'm glad you talked about the West Coast. West Cause, Coast? Because guess what? That's where we're heading in fourth down. Fourth down! So, I don't know if you saw the video that was, I don't know, posted last night or posted this morning, but it's of Lonzo Ball at home I had his it. pops <laughs> after they f- figured out what, you know, the Lakers, the Lakers, the lottery. I don't know if you saw it, but a lot Boston of people, win? listen, it's rubbing a lot of people wrong, and I feel like this little soundbite is going to get people fired up even more. I told him he was going to go to the Lakers. I'm going to speak it into existence. Boston going to take their Markel, folks. He's a good player. I think he fits best with Boston. You can't bring him to L.A. He ain't ready for this. Only one person ready for this. It's that ball boy. I know I must be a genius to plan it this well. His number's always been number two, and guess where he's going? Number two. To the Lakers, baby. Here we come. That's LeVar Ball speaking out. Said he called it. He called it into existence. His son wore number two. He's going to be number two to the Lakers. What's your issue? Do you have issue? I know know that we as – as being in the media, fathers that, you know, the one thing that I have to commend him on is not all this craziness that we keep hearing. I understand the method to his madness. I get it. I'm a marketing guy who understands how to market himself, also market other brands, market a deceased so person a that's not here. Ploy. This is Dude, purely he, marketing. Listen, it's, He's not legitimately crazy. No, I don't think he's legitimately crazy. I think he does. He's just a little out there, but he's. But what he's done is I can't knock him on the love of his kids. No. As, a fa- as a father, I got to give him credit. Like, there's a lot of dads that aren't around anywhere. Right. That, that aren't anywhere. There's that line. There's that line that as a father of kids, I you know, I have older boys who played sports. I have younger girls now playing sports. There's a line that as a father and a coach or as a father that you, you just don't want to smudge. I, I I want as they get older. I want my kids to make their decisions. Like my daughter now, and she's freshman softball. You need to make decisions. You need to call your coach. You need to talk to your coach. Like little things like that like that I used to take care of and I used to do. And I just, he's just he's nuts. The dude is nuts. And I get that. Yes, this is for his son. And this is I, I wonder. Let's see what the son. Let's see what he thinks. Like he, he says that he doesn't care. He yeah, said, that's he, what he says. I saying, mean, deep down, saying, I no, wonder. He's saying that he he doesn't care what his dad says. That he just goes out and he does what he needs to do. Plus, I think it comes down to, you know, that's his pops. And if he had an issue, and it seems like they have a great relationship, so it does. If, it does. So if he if he was bothered by it, I think he would probably say something yeah. to his dad, like tone it down. But I don't think he hears all that craziness because he. I think deep down inside, he believes that his dad has got his best interests at heart and that he's out there trying to do what they need to do. You know how hard it is? How hard it is to sell a product? Well, they're, they decided to go solo and not take the deal from Nike, Adidas, or Reebok, or Under Armour for a shoe deal. And they went out and they created their own shoe, which is their own brand. And they want they were going they're trying to sell their own brand. I get I hope they have all I the totally success in the world. That. I do I do yeah, I do as I a, respect yeah, it. like I it's, absolutely do. 
Is it crazy? It's absolutely nuts. It's, yeah, it is crazy. It's, it is it's beyond so crazy. nuts. I can understand. He's he's nobody right now. I, well, no. In this day and age, the, everybody is somebody before. Yes. H- has he played an NBA game? No, he hasn't. But is he somebody in the you know the world that we live in now? Yes, he is because these kids now, him and his brothers, they all got five hundred, a million Instagram followers. These yeah. dudes are big; they're big time. Right, that is true. So yeah, they are they somebody in the in the words of basketball in the not life yet, of basketball in for of the in the NBA? Yeah, nah, not here's yet. my thing. I just do you remember Jeremy Richmond? Yeah, who went to the Illinois. And Derek Rose, they both had people in their lives, family members in their lives, who I believe, and this is just me, I believe ruined them. That I believe truly ruined them. Derek Rose's brother and Jeremy Richmond's uncle. Both of these guys advised, and Jeremy Richmond's uncle told him to come out after a freshman year to go pro. Dude, I, what? <laughs> like, you never heard of the kid again. You know what I mean? Like that. You gave up your college career to go pro because your uncle said so when your father said no. That's not even. And then Derek Rose, you know, you hear the stories. You see the stories about, you know, Reggie and Derek and all that. I just hope it's not a case of that. And in those situations, I think it's the, it was it was the uncle and the brother. I think they were living vicariously through Derek yeah. and Jeremy. I hope the father who was a failed, I don't want to say failed, he, he was a football player, practice squad player, never really made it, but still a professional athlete. Yeah. Still was one of that 1%. Yeah. It's an, I it's hope a, he's now not going to try and live through his son because his son's going to be, well, is on that path to be great. Could be could be great. So I hope he's I, not, tr- you know what I mean? I yeah, hope he's I, not he's, trying to live through the son like right, that. He's, he, I think he is a little bit, but he's also, I think, looking out for his best interest. I'm, I, I think it's a little crazy, some of the stuff that he said over the past few months. Nuts. But I think that's all part of his madness of creating buzz around the brand. And they had an idea of what they were trying to do. In some ways, it's kind of genius. Is he, is. All, is he all up in everybody's face and people don't want to hear him? Then, yeah, that's cool. Just turn him off. That's what we we have that ability now to turn people off we don't want to hear. It's dangerous, him. too. I mean, it's but dangerous. You Here's the thing with it. The fact me, is he's got two other sons right. that are on their way to UCLA. It was, a good, it was a good move in that sense that the family now has their own brand and all that. It's just... What if the kid sucks? Who's buying your shoe? At least, at least you sign with Under Armour, or whatever. You get a a hundred million dollar deal, yeah, and you're set. He's still making NBA money, so true. Not, I, I guess it's not, yeah. it's I, not really that much of a big of a deal. And this is me on this but side you know looking what, at it. A guy who doesn't have anywhere near a million dollars. You know what I mean? So for me, so well, I take the fifty million. But but they're look, they're playing the long game. They're playing the long the game. game. They're saying, listen, I, I that I he's going that he's going to come in and ball. And guess what? That we are creating a brand. And as we create this brand, and it, it starts to grow. That somebody those those brands that didn't want us will come back and want to buy it's the brand. Be crazy, it's like Jumpman. It's like Jordan when he went and took Jumpman, and they just did it without you know the balls have done it without Nike behind them. Yeah, you know. So, so good gotta, luck. Got to commend them, man. Good luck. Even though it's kind of crazy, I'm, it's not something I would do. But hey, well I don't know. Yeah, you could actually, I'm, dude. Hey, Peyton's come on. Hey, hey, hey. new Peyton. Hey. You that's could have different ones. You could have the JP. You could have the 34. That's what we're hoping you know? for. We're hoping Think for about it, it man. You, you the JP, we're, gonna, we're waiting for Jaden for the JP, too, because that's going to be the, his shoe. So we already got it. We're in We're in talks right then, now. Then you get you get the nice women line, the CPs, you know, maybe the Brits. Dude. You, you know, just, you call them Brits and CPs. That's the that's the women's line. How do, you, on, know that, how do you know that I'm not already doing that? Oh. Let's see.
There you go. Down the distance here on WGARadio.com, DAD Pod on Twitter, Shy Voiceman on Twitter for Ernie. I'm at Peyton Sun, P A Y T O N S U N on Twitter. And as always, we love you guys for listening to the podcast. Please spread it around, retweet it, share it, because we need more likes. We need more shares. We need more ears on the podcast so people can know what's real, because it's only real here on Down and Distance where we always convert. As always, we were here, but now we're gone. Peace.